Oh, hello. You find me in an elevator, whizzing up to the top of the Space Needle to look at the view of a museum with some smashed up guitars. We're in Seattle, right? So that must mean that we're talking about grunge in our latest episode today. It's going to be another two-parter because we have a very insightful special guest, Ryan Schaff from the Broken Record Player podcast. And we talked for so long in depth about two different bands that we decided to split it into two and extend the fun. So for this part of the podcast, we will be talking about Pearl Jam and whether they are overrated. Ryan doesn't think they're overrated, but Fran and I do. So you'll have to find out if he manages to convince us otherwise. There's some popping on Ryan's microphone in some bits that we've tried our best to kind of minimize. We didn't really know what was going on, but it should be a smooth audio experience for me. Just as smooth as this elevator ride. Off we go. Let's discuss some grungy guitar rock. Oh, hang on. Yeah, what are we calling this podcast? <laughs> Was it over underrated? Over underrated. Sous évalué. Überschätzt. Over underrated. Over underrated. Okay, welcome to another episode of Over Underrated with Fran and Babs. How are we doing on this fine sunny day? Fran, have you been, for example, up until 4.30 in the, up from, since 4.30 in the morning? I love podcasting so much. I woke up at half past four to do as much research as possible to get as much grunge inside my body so I can discuss it today, guys. So, you know, I hope you've done the same, yeah? It sounds like he's joking, but he did tell me how many documentaries he watched to prepare for this podcast. So everyone prepare yourselves for, for the facts that are going to come your way, but also potentially the vitriol that's going to come your way today from, from Fran. Uh, we are not alone today. We have a grunge aficionado with us, and I will hand over to him now to introduce himself. Ryan, how are you? Wow, grunge aficionado. I have never been called that before. Ah, there I... we go. I am. I am now, though. I'm going to put that on my my title under Excellent. my on your work. name badge, right? Yeah. Next time you exactly. go to conference. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, I'm doing great, and thank you for having me. It's really awesome to be here with both of you. And you said it was a nice sunny day where you're at. It is nothing like that out here in San Francisco. It is cloudy and foggy. perfect for grunge. <laughs> I'm Perfect like, for grunge. He's in California. Like, you know, 80% of the of the chances are there is. So yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I was in Southern California, you would be right. And if I was on the other side of the San Francisco Peninsula, you would be correct. But mm. the side I'm on never, well, I shouldn't say never, rarely gets sunlight. It's usually foggy, which I don't mind. But okay. But yeah, it's perfect. Like Fran said, it's perfect for grunge. <laughs> so... And Ryan uh, has also has a music podcast, which I guested on. Do you want to tell us a bit about that, Ryan, and, and what yeah, you do Yeah, absolutely. There? Yeah, and yeah, we did a great episode on PJ Harvey and her album Dry, and it was great having you on. The, the podcast is called The Broken Record Player Podcast, and what I do on there is I bring people on and we talk about albums that we both love, and we do deep dives on those albums, and it's like we got we got into it with PJ Harvey. So into and, it, and there are some certain yeah. so some themes that are going to come up again today. Uh, I did I did say to I can't remember who now, but I was like, I feel like podcasting at the moment is talking about feminism with men, which is great. I'm up for that if uh, if you guys are, because there are some there are some themes in Pearl Jam as well. Even if you don't listen to podcasts at all, which why why are you listening here. You should follow the Broken Record Player podcast's Instagram because Ryan has some amazing vinyl and you always set it up very nicely 
um and it looks good and you're doing some giveaways as well right from what i saw i am yes i just well i did my first giveaway was facelift by allison chains so the grunge record right there but right now we're doing ace of spades by motorhead so that one is up for for somebody to win and all you have to do is is go onto my instagram and like the post follow the page and tag a friend and you can be entered to win and i'm going to announce the winner at the end of the month so right after i do uh, a new episode so So no pressure we need to get this episode out in may That's right. <laughs> I was going to say, there might be other oh, yeah. competitions on by the time it comes out, so, but, but follow anyway right. to keep an eye. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will be doing more record giveaways, okay, So, excellent. but those are the ones that I've done so far, yeah, so... So yeah, I had uh, I had such a great time on uh, on Ryan's podcast that I really wanted to, to I really wanted him to come on today, and we were discussing different themes, and we settled on grunge, and the band that Ryan has picked as overrated today, he doesn't think is overrated as far as I'm aware, but Fran and I do. So he's going to be trying to convince us of their merits. Um, and then he's picked another underrated band, which I like, but I don't think Fran does. So prepare yourselves for an interesting discussion today. Or Fran. Fran, you <laughs> must feel like you got the short end of the stick on this episode, huh? Yeah, a lot of these ones of guests, I seem to get the... the short straw of notice so i will be <laughs> inviting someone i know and forcing babs to listen to some really cl- uh, can i say bon jovi was someone you yeah, knew back, okay back i did not know him. Isn't it? Uh- <laughs> okay right so let's get into it ryan who have you picked as the overrated band today well i picked pearl jam but i don't think that they are overrated like you said so i'll be trying to kind of argue against them being overrated but yeah i picked pearl jam and i have been a fan of pearl jam for a long time since high school when i first heard the song jeremy i just really got into that and it was such a unique sounding song and and i just really i don't know there was something beautiful but also deeply disturbing about what was going on there and i knew it was a serious topic and and it sure was like the song was really a serious song. And after that, I was just, you know, into Pearl Jam and that album 10, especially really got into that album. And I think what really made Pearl Jam even more of a, a favorite of mine is after going to Seattle and driving around Seattle with Pearl Jam playing, it just kind of brought it all together. And I went to the Mopop museum and saw a Pearl Jam exhibit there. And it, everything just kind of fit in Pearl Jam just really, I started to appreciate them even more after that trip I took up to Seattle. So, but yeah, I've been a fan of theirs for for quite a while. I do have to admit 10 is the album I most often go back to listening to. And and I really find that album to be their best, but I've appreciated a lot of different songs that they've done over their career. And they've had a long career, Mm -hmm. which you can't really say that about a lot of those grunge bands they kind of all fizzled out or members died and there was really no way to carry on or like a band like Alice in Chains, they, they continued, but there, I do like their new material, but there is definitely something missing without Lane Staley being the front man of that band. So Pearl Jam is like one of those few grunge bands that has existed in its original format since they began. So 
I, I don't know. There's something about that that also makes me feel like when I go, if I go to see them or if I pick up their latest record, it's still them. There's nothing that's really changed too much. And I, you know, I really appreciate that. It's hard to do that when you're coming out of that scene, especially. Mm-hmm. It, it just seemed like addictions and drugs took uh, their toll on so many people from that, from that music scene. Would you say they're your favorite grunge bands? Uh, no. In fact, if I were to, you know, there's the big four, right? Mm-hmm. There's Nirvana, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam. They're probably number four for me. Oh, wow. Okay. But it's I such love, an impassioned opening argument. I was convinced that, yeah. I, I just, I love all four of those bands. Mm-hmm. So, but if I were to rank them, they would be my number four. Would pick. you yeah. really describe Pearl Jam as being a grunge band or were they a rock band who came out of that scene? Because if listen to them as a whole... They sound the least grungy, apart from Eddie's voice. They are basically just a hard rock band, aren't they? I think compared to many of the other contemporaries, I, I kind of always thought like they were kind of put in that scene because they came from Seattle rather than the sound. I wouldn't really say they are as grungy as you know Soundgarden or Alice in Chains or Nirvana. Yeah, I, that's a good point. I I would sort of agree with that. I think that. When I did the Alice in Chains Dirt episode on my podcast, I had a friend who was from Seattle. He was born and raised there. He he doesn't even like the term grunge. He thinks that grunge shouldn't even be a genre because it's not. It's hard to really describe what is grunge. What mm. does grunge sound like? And so I I do agree that a lot of those bands were just at that time they existed in Seattle, like the Melvins, for example. They're they're not really grunge to me, but they kind of got lumped in because they're from the Seattle area. And I mean, even another band we're going to talk about, L7, sometimes they don't really sound grunge mm-hmm. because, because they're a lot more punky, you know, a lot more punk inspired, but they existed at that moment in the early 90s when all these alternative rock bands were blowing up. And I don't think the music world knew how to categorize them and they just kind of all threw them in with grunge. I do think Pearl Jam sounds the least grunge, though. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the most grunge is probably Alice in Chains or Soundgarden. But I, I, I agree that Pearl Jam definitely has more of that hard arena rock sound than the other bands did. But because they're they're coming out at the same time and, you know, like you said, Eddie's voice and there are moments, especially on 10, where there's a grittiness that you can you can associate with grunge. I think that they they got kind of lumped in with that, but I, I wouldn't necessarily separate them from grunge just because their roots are there and a lot of the members of the band were in other grunge bands before, mm-hmm. yeah. like Temple of the Dog and Mother Love Bone. So I think their roots are definitely in the grunge scene when reflecting on grunge for this episode i think if you'd asked me before i'd be like oh yeah i love grunge but actually thinking about it i do like grunge but it's not a genre that i'm very musically nerdy about i would say that of bands categorized as grunge the only ones that i've kind of explored you know gone off and listened to albums it's nirvana addison chains seven year bitch melvin's and l7 that's it and even for those like I haven't that much sat down and listened to albums and no album tracks, maybe apart from Nirvana and Alice in Chains. It's like, oh, I, I listen to it. I like it. Um, 
but that's it. And I mean, I've gotten into a few more grunge bands recently. Like I saw Mud Honey live at a festival in 2015 and I was like, oh, okay, these guys are good. I'll check them out. And um, Huskadoo as well, who uh, I, I would argue in that scene, but um, it's definitely a genre that I have to be in the mood for. And reflecting on it, I was like, actually, I think when I say I like grunge, I like Nirvana <laughs> because that's the band I know and like the best. And uh, and yeah, Pearl Jam, they they passed me by. Like they were one of those bands. I, I never really heard a song of theirs that I liked before this playlist. Let's see how I feel at the end. Um, and Ryan, you'll be, I'm sure, devastated to hear that I did see them live in 2006 at the Reading Festival and I was nonplussed. <laughs> I think, wow. Yeah, it just, I at, th- at that point, again, I, I didn't really have an opinion on them. I hadn't knowingly heard a song. And Fran and I were talking just before the recording about how in the UK, it's not really a band that you listen to on the radio, right? Like, it's like, you have to, you have to know and, and go and listen to. All I remember is Eddie Vedder had a tambourine and I was not happy about it. <laughs> and I, I, I went to look at the set list and there are a few songs from, from your playlist. But yeah, you know, they are a huge band. I've got some kind of sales stats of like, they've sold 85 million albums worldwide, but 32 million of them are in the US. I had no idea that they were still releasing albums, um, including last year. I really like their politics. Eddie Verde is an attractive man. A lot of people like his voice, but I have to say, I find it quite grating. I was trying to find like a word. I was like, it's not whiny, but it's great. It's a bit much sometimes, but you know, I personally wanted to come into this playlist cold. I thought I probably don't know any of the songs. I think I listened to Jeremy before and that was it. So yeah, that's that's my relationship to Grunge and, and Pearl Jam. How about you, Fran? So um, yeah, I'm an old man. And so I was around <laughs> in the early 90s. So I do remember this scene, although I was you know, 10 or 11, but obviously MTV was a thing. And um, especially with Pole Jam, Jeremy, for example, was all on all the time on MTV back in the day. So I knew um, Alive and Jeremy a lot from Pole Jam. I knew Nirvana. Yeah, I was not on board, unfortunately, with the scene because... Um, the sixth form is my school, which wear the flannel shirts and have the greasy hair and be moody. And I wanted to listen to 90s pop and dance to the to early prodigy. So, you know, and who, yeah, who, there's the, a well, yeah, there's a prodigy. And like, yeah, and as I yeah. said to Babs earlier, like Pole Jam in the UK were a band when 10 you'd hear on MTV, then after 10, nothing. And like until I lived in Seattle. I heard other Pole Jam songs and like I would always hear the song Last Kiss, the cover. Yeah, that's oh, on yeah. radio mm-hmm. literally every day in Seattle. And I was like, I've never heard a song in my entire life. What, why is it so big? And it's, it's strange. And like, but I know Pole Jam fans and they would be like insanely into Pole Jam and they would follow from everywhere. Um, and I think in the 90s, people into Pole Jam were also into Jeff Buckley, quite earnest singer-songwriter fans into Neil Young. And I have been in the same field as Paul Jam in Isle of Wight Festival 2015, but I chose to go in the other direction to see the Charlatans do the 20th anniversary of their best album with about 50 people. So I, and at the end, I did see Paul Jam in the distance. So I, I can say I've seen Paul Jam. I don't know what song it was, but I apologise that we have both seen Paul Jam. Yes. Sorry. How, sorry, how is it? 
how is it that you've both seen Pearl Jam? You don't like Pearl Jam, and I have never seen them. That's that's just In how England, it works. We call it Sod's sometimes. Law. I think you say Murphy's Law. Um, you know, one of those things. The playlist that you put together, Ryan, did surprise me, and I've come out of it, you know, with some some different opinions. So, yeah, great. Let's get that's into great. it. <laughs> Overrated. The first song, and by the way, just to set up the playlist a little bit, I wanted to make it sort of seem like you were at a show because I wanted to, I I like to make playlists where I sort of envision the set list, like what songs would I want to hear if I went to see Pearl Jam or whatever live. And so I set it up that way. So I started off with Even Flow, which I think is a great opener. It gets you kind of pumped up right away. And it was one of the songs from 10 that really stood out to me from the beginning because I just, I found like it just kind of, even though Once is the first track on the album, that song kind of starts off a little slow. Even Flow just really, um, I think, introduces you to the Eddie Vedder voice. Mm-hmm. The the way he, like he has, I'm not going to sing, don't worry. But he has this. You're welcome like, to if you want to. No, no, no. But he has this <laughs> way. <laughs> we have. He has this way where he just kind of. He starts off slow and then he goes into this like weird, sort of like fast-paced rap almost like where it's like rapid-fire lyrics. He's just spitting out there, and this song really introduces you to that style and that way that he he goes about it. I just think it's a great opening track to get you kind of pumped up. And I like what it's about because it's about a homeless person. That's what it's Mm -hmm. about actually. So this is the thing Pearl Jam's good at telling stories and highlighting real people. And I just find that that also makes the, the song that much better when you find out, Hey, this is what it's about. It's about a real homeless person that they knew. Oh, okay. A real homeless person that I didn't know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when I think this song was a good way to set the tone for Pearl Jam, because what I didn't realize about Pearl Jam really was riffs, 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 riffs. I think what Fran was saying about maybe categorizing them as grunge is a bit reductive um, is correct. Because for me, when this started, it reminded me of the songs that I played on Guitar Hero that we discussed in depth on the Skid Row Bon Jovi episode. It's quite country-esque and I wasn't expecting it. What I also wasn't expecting was the chorus when it came in. I enjoyed it. Um, and it took me a few listens to decide whether I liked the song. But in the end, I decided, yeah, I actually, I, I, I do like this. And it reminded me, um, maybe because of the Guitar Hero Association, it reminded me quite a bit of Tripping on a Hole in a Paper Heart by Stone Temple Pilots. But this came out five years before, so definitely an influence on that. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of the most memorable riffs i think the down 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 and it's got a decent course it's it's like i'm gonna put my cards on the table and say this is not my genre guys but you know <laughs> i have an open mind and yeah i think this would now be classed as they'd be offended dad rock oh. <laughs> <laughs> i think you might have offended ryan there as <laughs> Cool, Dad Rock. Cool, I, don't, Dad Rock. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if I should be offended because I'm kind of like 
when I'm thinking of Pearl Jam in this song, it does have a 70s influence. Mm. You can hear it. Yeah. And the riffs are very Led Zeppelin 70s. Yeah. 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 It's not, uh, yeah, this, it, like I said before, I think, you know, some of the contemporaries were influenced by punk and metal. This is not that. This is the traditional, decent riff, decent guitars, a strong chorus. You can see why it is a radio hit. Yeah, so it's, it's one of my favourite Pearl Jam songs. This is something. I hope I haven't hurt anyone's feelings, guys. <laughs> Song one. We're, we're already well, with the caveats. This is great. <laughs> when I think of dad rock, I think of Tom Petty or Bruce Springsteen or something like that. You know, like that's that's dad rock to me. But Pearl Jam, I mean, people my age are dads now. So, hey, Pearl Jam can be dad rock. I'm sure young people think Pearl Jam's dad rock. Interesting. Sure, so. The festival I saw, Paul, well, I say saw. The, the first night was Tom Petty, the second night was Bruce Springsteen, and the third night was Tommy oh Jam. So I'm just, there you just go. saying, there's a link. Oh, there is. There is, no doubt. Well, my second pick is uh, is continuing with that energetic theme, which is Animal. And Animal just has this energy to it that I think even surpasses even flow in a way. And I, I wanted that flow to continue. And I just think Eddie's screams on this song are really awesome with the guitar riffing uh, along with it. And I, I think it's just a powerful song. It makes it kind of stirs me. It gets me moving. It's a song I would want to hear live and mm-hmm. I could see myself really getting into it live. And I, I don't know, it's one of their heavier songs, one of their shorter songs, and it just really never lets up. There's no real slow part to it. It just is pretty consistent throughout. And I don't know, it, it, the song title is Animal, and there's something animalistic about it for Pearl Jam, not, you know, Pearl Jam, I'm not going to go out and say they're a risky band or like a, um, a chaotic band, but for Pearl Jam, this is pretty heavy for them. But it's interesting what you say about chaotic, because I've made a note on a song later that I like it when they're messy. Um, I think sometimes it's a bit too controlled. And I, I don't like that. This this is definitely uh, rockier and messier, and I like it. I have absolutely no idea what he's saying at the beginning. He's really mumbling. I have to go and look it up. And I was like, all right, all right, Eddie. Like, you know, usually I can, I can hear what you're saying. Yeah, the riff surprised me at the beginning. It surprised me that given how rocky and energetic it is, it, it felt like it had pop sensibilities. Again, that's not something that I would associate with Pearl Jam because every time before that I've listened to them, it just doesn't click. And as someone who isn't a pop, you know, if there is a bit of that normally, I liked it. And once again, I needed several listens to get into it and decide whether I like it. And and I did, yeah. And, you know, it's two minutes 47. It ends quite abruptly. Like you say, it doesn't, it doesn't up. It's like perfectly, yeah, contained. I read a bit about the the vocals for this and the studio asked him to turn up the vocals and then he then explained what the song was about and said oh, okay let's, let's bury the vocals <laughs> apparently it's that dark <laughs> they said yeah it's probably best people don't know what you're saying oh, really so what is i just thought it was about people are shit and i'd rather be with an animal well um, um it mentions on the internet that it could be about gang rape right so oh, okay yeah. but he's never <laughs> confirmed he's never confirmed what it's about as eddie doesn't but um yeah apparently it's quite dark and i guess this was the album after the mega the behemoth 10 where they basically refused to make music videos anymore refused to do interviews they wanted to shy away from the exposure so i guess he wanted to be a bit more 
you know, he could be as dark as he wanted because he wasn't thinking about is this going to hit primetime radio and it probably mm-hmm. freed him lyrically a bit more. Some, again, you guys are going to hate my guts. I can hear Aerosmith. <laughs> yeah. With the guitars and everything, it sounds like it could be an Aerosmith and obviously the vocal line, obviously if you replace Eddie's with, with uh, Steven Tyler, I think it could be an Aerosmith song, which isn't a bad thing. And I had never heard it before and I quite liked it. Is this played ever on the radio ryan this song is this known it, it's known but on it comes out on verses and and verses was better known i think for songs like daughter and rear view mirror and elderly woman behind a small god i always get the order messed up mixed mm. up elderly woman behind the counter in a small town there we go that's for you i think yeah th- those are the ones that i think that got more attention than animal and received more radio play because I I don't recall hearing it too much on the radio, you know. But but yeah, it's uh, I can hear the Aerosmith. I do think like going back to what you said about it being darker. I I think that's what I mean. Aerosmith I'm sure had some dark subject matter in their songs, but but this is yeah like Pearl Jam. This is also part of the grunge thing is the the darkness of the lyrics I think and and what Eddie's saying. Like it's definitely more of the grungy side than than pop the poppy mm. side so yeah i but i didn't know it was about gang rape. Well, right not, maybe that's guys, uh, not confirmed okay <laughs> allegedly. maybe about that allegedly yeah i mean i made sure with both pearl jam and l7 to go and look up the lyrics for everyone because i mean l7 i did know before so i was like yeah they, there's going to be some feminist themes there and kind of all i knew about Pearl Jam was, yeah, they're very political and very right on. So I was like, well, that's probably going to come across in the lyrics. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And also, I think just talking about how Eddie didn't want that publicity and everything, it just kind of shows you Pearl Jam kind of marched to the beat of their own drum. They really didn't do what people wanted them to do or expected them to do. And that's another thing I've really appreciated about them is Eddie really just does whatever he wants. The band just does whatever they want, but yet they still remain successful, massive. They don't ever seem to like fall off the edge or anything. People still want to hear their music. So mm-hmm. that I think is pretty cool in, a, in and of itself. But over underrated. Sous évalué. Garden is a song that's more of a deep cut that I never heard on the radio before. It, it's one of the songs from 10 that just didn't really get a lot of attention. And 10 is jam packed full of songs that received attention. But I, I was listening to this song when driving around Seattle and it really just clicked. It was like, Whoa, you know, like this, like I had never really appreciated this song before. And then it became one of my favorites and I just, it's really melodic and there's an eeriness to it as well. I don't know. Like I've, I don't know what it's about, but I just love how it builds and like, it kind of goes up, then goes back down, then goes back up and it's even more epic and Eddie's going crazy, you know, and then it comes back down. I just really like how it's sort of a coaster of a, of a song and, from what I gathered, like, I'm not sure that this is what it's about, but it, it seemed like it could have been about somebody on their way to the execution chair or whatever. Like, it seemed like someone was going through something that was unpleasant, like they were being taken somewhere. And and 
those were some of the opinions I read online and mm. it kind of made sense. I but... also read some opinions online and on song meanings, I got this song is about facing death without buying into the consolation provided by a faith in a religion that promises an afterlife. Garden of Stone is a cemetery, which I thought, ah, that makes that makes sense. Um, yeah, I think, Fran, you might be shocked to hear that this is one of my favorites, <laughs> despite it being, as Ryan says, quite melodic. The I think the complex riff and interplay between the guitars at the beginning really intrigued me. I was like, ooh. Where is this going? Then the bass comes in and I, I thought that was that was good as well. Uh, I was really enjoying it until the chorus. I don't like the chorus. I have to say it's quite bombastic. And I, again, this is so different to almost every other band, apart from maybe the Vines, actually. I much prefer from this playlist Pearl Jam generally when they're being quieter rather than when they're being louder. There's another song that we're going to talk about that, again, normally I wouldn't like a quieter, more epic song. But yeah, I think apart from the chorus and the ending, which is, uh, yeah, you know, riffy, I think this was my favourite song. Funny, we've all read different things about the song. I've read the songs about the Gulf War because it's 1991. <laughs> Yeah. And about a soldier being forced to fight. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, we have three different opinions on one song. Should should we call Eddie up and ask him? Like, <laughs> do, maybe do, he'll... Do, do, do. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> he doesn't do interviews. Yeah. <laughs> For some reason, you know in a film, when they all get, like, high, I can imagine that soundtrack in that scene, when they're all getting, like, you know, all, like, mellow. That's, that's bizarrely what I saw in my head. I have no idea why. Yeah, it, that makes sense. Yeah, um... Yeah, it wasn't my favourite, and I think I'd prefer the faster Pearl Jam songs, but... What is going on, Fran? But... <laughs> like, real reversal here. I yeah. prefer Eddie's voice when he's more hushed. Mm. It doesn't sound like he's eating kiwi fruit with the skin on. It's, you know... It, so I prefer his vocal when it's slowed down, and I like his um, soundtrack to Into the Wild. Yeah. Yeah, and I prefer that Eddie rather than... Uh, the angry grunge and the grunge Eddie. So I prefer his vocals here and later on, I think it was his elderly woman, his, his vocal there, I'd, I'd prefer than his, you know, his raspy, cliche Eddie vocal. Yeah, it's Eddie's voice is a weird one because I normally quite like vocalists where you can feel the passion, you know, and he, he is singing very often like he's on like he's on the edge of death or something like he has to get the emotion out but there's there's something like I said grating and I think because in so many songs he just he's all over the place like he'll go from hush to like and you're just like oh like calm down Eddie it's really it's really strange but yeah I I did like his vocal here but I wonder if I'm anti his vocal because of the copycats because so Ah. many bands came out like Creed etc all having that vocal I just thought, why is everyone singing like this? And I kind of blamed him. But obviously it's not his fault that everyone copied that style of singing. So maybe that's why. That is a great point. And that's, I was going to bring that up too. Like, I think so many copycats tried to be like him and they failed, I think. And, And they failed in a really corny, just campy way. Just like really, I don't know, like Creed to me is the ultimate, like, I'm trying to be Eddie Vedder. Scott Stapp is trying to be Eddie Vedder and he's just not doing it justice at all. And like, I think a better version of Eddie Vedder is Scott Wayland uh, from Stone Temple Pilots. Although I would argue he's different. I mean, he's kind of got his own thing going, but yeah, I think the, 
the vocals that came after in that post-grunge movement really did disservice to people looking at Pearl Jam and, and yeah, you know. That's so interesting because I have to say Stain and Creed, all the, they completely passed me by. I think because, what, what was that? Was that early 2000s? Late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, yeah, I think I was just deep into pop. I was not paying attention to, to rock. Um, I think it was more... You know, when new metal came about in 2001, that I would maybe start paying more attention. So I don't, I don't feel insulted. But I, I feel quite neutral about Stained and Creed, but I know that there are a lot of people's least favorite bands. The next one I picked was Dissident, which is, oh, sorry, it's not Dissident. It's Given, it's to, given fly. to Fly. Yeah. Yeah, that's the next one I picked. This one was a pretty big hit. And I, for me, I just, I like this because it's it's got more of like um, a positive vibe going here. It's not so like the other songs I I think were a lot darker. This one is is much more like uplifting when I listen to it. I find myself really liking this when I'm on a road trip or when I'm in the car. It just kind of has like a feeling like you're going somewhere. And you know, I guess it was inspired by Led Zeppelin and their song going to California. And I could totally see that because it feels like you are moving, you are going somewhere. I don't know that I necessarily hear it completely, but I get the idea of the same kind of theme going with like, what is this song about? And it seemed to me like it was about moving and going places. And I, it's just, to me, it's just a, a beautiful song that it's perfect for when you're traveling or, going somewhere there's a beautiful blue sky out there i just it's one of the positive pearl jam songs that i like so yeah you've mentioned driving quite a bit and i do not have a car uh i can drive but i do not have a car and i'm thinking yeah how much your opinion is on music is based on how you listen to it fran and i have discussed that when when we prepare for this podcast normally fran takes the playlists for a walk Whereas I sit in front of a computer and, and kind of type out notes as I go. And I wonder if that makes a, makes a difference because yeah, I, I, this was not one of my more, more favorite ones, but you know, your argument on driving. Yeah. I'm convinced that, you know, windows down blue sky. Yeah. It, it might well be, be a good one. Although despite it being one of my, my less favorites, I, I didn't dislike it. it. It was another one where I needed several listens, but this time I decided I didn't <laughs> like it compared to the other ones um the intrigue the beginning was intriguing and i would pass on this one but the lyrics i i went to to take a look and yeah i mean they're fucking depressing um and <laughs> which I, it doesn't I, sound depressing right yeah, exactly I, well it's, it's a bit like uh i want to dance with somebody by whitney houston like if you look at the lyrics jesus christ yeah she's not she's not having a great one um but yeah i i, I did enjoy trying to figure out what it was because it the way I interpreted it, it was like someone who's trying to escape a terrible existence or someone is trying to escape the system or, you know, going down a difficult path. And despite the obstacles in their way, like, you know, it ends with, I think, a human being that was given to flights. Like there's there's some hope there. But yeah, definitely way more depressing than you imagine, given given the melody. Um, yeah, I mean, I mentioned that I like his more hushed vocals and this has those i think it would be better if it's more acoustic um this track um it gets a bit too bombastic for me at, at times i think if they strip that more i might prefer it and they did a lot of like um acoustic shows i guess mtv unplugged did they do this track on there do you know or 
I don't no. know, honestly. I don't remember when they did it. Do you remember what year they did it? Because this came out in 98, I think. Oh, maybe it's just after. I think M3 Unplugged was saying that's mid-90s, wasn't it, from like um, yeah. Nirvana onwards, so maybe it's after the fans. I, I picked Dissident next. That's the next one. And I just love the guitar riff on Dissident. And I love how it kind of has a bluesy sound to it. And I don't know if it's Stone or Mike McCready who's bending the strings, but it just has a really just Southern vibe to it. And I, it's not one that I heard a lot on the radio, but it was one from verses that I really enjoyed because it just had a slower kind of almost going back to that dad rock thing that you were talking about earlier, friend. I had a, a, a almost like a Tom Petty, Bruce Springsteen country rock vibe to it. So I, I don't know. It's just, I wanted to slow it down a bit in the middle with this set list or this playlist to kind of start it off energetic and then go a little bit slower, more melodic. And so this is why I put this here, but what do you guys think of it? So unfortunately, Ryan, I Uh thought it sounded like Bon Jovi at the beginning, which no, don't say that. Yeah, no, but it did. It did. Like that was immediately, that was as in, that was a feeling that was, that was immediate. Uh, I mean, you can substitute it for Bruce Springsteen or someone else if if you prefer, but I unfortunately got Bon Jovi. So I was like, Oh God. Um, Yes. This was my joint least favorite song uh, with another one that's coming up later towards the end, the guitars change and it becomes a bit psychedelic that I really enjoyed. And with this song and the next one, actually, I felt very similar to Crowded House, where I'm like, these songs have all these different parts and they're coming together wrong. They, there, are, there are bits that I like, but the way that the, they've put them together, I just, I'm not getting a picture, you know? And, and sometimes it works. Like I said, with, with Even Flow and with Animal, I was like, I felt like that, but on repeated distance, I was like, no, okay, for this one, it works. For this one, um, it, it didn't for me personally, I'm afraid. But once again, enjoyed looking at the lyrics uh, because obviously when you see dissident, you think political dissident. Um, and maybe someone has betrayed him because you know it's talking about she sold him to the state, she had to turn around. But actually a lot of people were saying that it might be about uh, a woman giving up a child uh, for adoption or abortion, which I was like, oh, okay, yes. It could be, and if it is, that's pretty smart. I read that it's about a lady who helps a refugee and then in the end she has to give them up to the government and then feels depressed and sad yeah mm. yeah that's what i heard that's what i read mm. as well yeah yeah i gave us a term library rock because library library rock because okay. it's hushed hmm. and you know polite but has a bit of edge to it Does that makes sense Yes, I could be absolutely. desperately trying to search for new terms, and that, that popped into my head. I I want there to be library rock. Now. Library I rock. really want that to be a genre. Oh, I've noticed on podcasts that some reason I cannot say my R's a certain words, especially especially I cannot say riff. And during the Queen of the Stone Age, I say whiff, whiff, whiff many times, and I hate myself. Well, as <laughs> you say on the uh, episode that I listened to this morning, you have a disabled yeah, mouth. I usually so. say the R's. Like, why can I not say a riff? It pissed me off. Anyway, I can't do anything about that, guys. This has <laughs> riffs. But yeah, I mean, I think this is a very standard pole jam song. If I, in my mind, created a pole jam song, this would come out. It's very much all of the hallmarks you can imagine. Um, so yeah, it's fine. I wouldn't search out for it again. All right. And well, and going on that note, we're off to Corduroy, <laughs> which is which... kind of another standard Pearl Jam sounding song, I think. Like to me, this is 
when I think of Pearl Jam just kind of slowing it down, Corduroy comes to mind. And I didn't give this song much love originally. It kind of grew on me over time. But I also, I love what the backstory is for this song where Eddie is, you know, he saw a corduroy vest or some sort of jacket or something in a store. And it looked like the one that he used to wear because he used to wear the corduroy jacket. And you can see it in the Jeremy music video. And the store labeled it as Eddie Vedder Pearl Jam vest. And it was selling for like 500 bucks or something, some ridiculous amount. And he was so mad about that. And he like was just upset that he was being like, I think marketed that way. And that he had, he just realized he had achieved that level of fame where just the jacket that he may have worn is going for hundreds of dollars in a store. So he wrote about it. And I thought that was really cool. That was so Eddie Vedder. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, I was really intrigued by the title. I was like, cool. like, because I d- hadn't seen the video. I didn't know that. So I was like, this is the fashion song. Like, <laughs> what's going on? And when, again, I went to look at the lyrics, um, actually, because I didn't know that story, my initial feeling, and some people feel this as well, it's it's a love, it's that it's a love song, actually, because he says, like, the waiting drove me mad. You're finally here and I'm a mess, but I don't want to take what you can give. I would rather starve than eat your bread. So once again, like, I think that that is the great thing about Pearl Jam, that even when, you know, they're calling it Corduroy, he's told that story and, you know, that's there. You can still read other stuff into it. And even with Jeremy, as we'll come to later, even he, he's told, like, a different story to, to the one um, that he said before. Like with Dissident, I liked bits of it. I really loved the beginning. And then when the vocals started, I thought, mm, okay, this isn't really going where I want to. And then, yeah, by the end, I was like, no, I, I think I do, unfortunately, only like the beginning. Um, but again, yeah, the beginning and, oh no, I wrote as well that there's an instrumental bit in it that I like. And actually with Pearl Jam, very often, that is where it is interesting. And I don't know if that's because you can hear the interplay between all the instruments. And I've got to shout out, they're all excellent musicians, like the, the bass, the drums, the guitars, they are all good maybe it's also because Eddie isn't there. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I read, read this on the internet, so who knows if it's bullshit. But to follow on with Ryan's story about the jacket, it says that the person who bought it was Ricky Martin. What? And he wore it <laughs> when he was working on a soap opera, General Hospital. What? So that could be absolute wow. bullcrap. But if it's true, I've done okay, it. I'm, love Googling, it. <laughs> I'm Googling Ricky Martin Corduroy yeah. when we get off this call. Yeah. yeah, me too. Um, I'm going to look that up. Wow. S- similar to Babs regarding the song, I like the elements. I-, I like the guitars in this. And I have no idea which guitar player does what on each song. Do you know why? Is it like one of those things when they no, change? I, I don't know. I just know the guitar players are Stone Gossard and Mike McCready. I don't know who's doing what. Much same with Babs. It's elements I like as, as a whole. Not really my cup of tea, as I say. Well, and then Why Go was the next one I picked because Why Go kind of brings the energy back a bit. And I wanted to wake everybody up because I didn't know if you guys were falling asleep or what. (laughs) And so Why Go kind of gets back to the earlier stuff. And I think it's no secret that 10 has the, the heavier songs on the list for the most part versus has a couple. But Pearl Jam... I think as they got more and more popular, they started to kind of fade away from the heavier stuff a bit more. They started to really get more into the, I guess as Fran calls it, more of the dad rock sound for sure. 
But, We're saying library rock now, well, aren't we now? <laughs> yeah, library rock. Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, but I, I, again, I like, it's a dark song and I like what it's about, about a girl that's put into a mental hospital against her wishes. And the line that really stands out to me is she's been diagnosed by some stupid fuck. Yeah, same. Love that part. And I love the guitar. The guitar is kind of, there's shredding parts here. So there's going back to that like hard rock shred that you would hear in the 70s or even into the 80s. I really love that. Yes, I, I did like this one. Um, I put, they've got screechy surf guitars. That's, yeah, I don't really know what I was trying to say there. But um, yeah, it's it's got some weird time signatures going on. It's heavier, which I really like. His voice is a little grating at the beginning, but it, that, it didn't put me off here. And I really believe in what he's saying. You know, I, I wrote down exactly the same thing. She's been diagnosed by some stupid fuck. It really stands out more than anything else lyrically that I heard um, from Pearl Jam. Uh, I think there's a bit to, I put, again, with the unexpected cock rock riffs, right? Because there's there's a lot in the song. And I think I would have liked it more um, if they focused on the the great bass line that's that's thrumming through, like the, the Pearl Jam's bass lines, and often yeah, drum sounds are really drum sounds, drums are really good, uh, but it's it's drowned out by by too many riffs sometimes, and and I think that's the case here. Despite despite liking this song, it wasn't one of my favorites because of too many riffs. Yeah, there's a bit too wanky on the guitar for me. It's a bit <laughs> maybe a phrase you don't hear much in America. So yeah, it put me off, and the drum it's too much massive drum overload as well, and it's interesting because don't. Pearl Jam have a, a cliche of changing the drummers quite a lot in the 90s. So I think this is where they allowed their drummer office album to shine a little bit more. But um, yeah, not my favourite, unfortunately. Um, and then, yeah, it moves on, on to Oceans, is it? Yes. Yeah, Oceans is the next one. And Oceans is a is a very different song from the rest of them. It's it's shorter. It's It's definitely... I don't I think it's pretty much all acoustic if I remember correctly and I I think it's a beautiful song I live by the ocean when I go on walks this song if this song comes on the list which it did I did it on purpose before recording this I'm like I'm gonna go for a walk listen to the Pearl Jam playlist I made this song came on as I was walking by the beach and it was like oh this is perfect like this is just come on like uh Eddie's voice I really like it here he's pretty quiet on this one so i'm assuming that that's good right Fred, or babs right that he's quiet <laughs> yeah, here yeah uh, no, this is i i really enjoyed this one kind of has a magical sound to it it's um you know and it's definitely about surf well it, it's sort of about surfing I, that's what i got from it but but yeah yeah i had no idea eddie Vedder was a surfer before doing this and i'm like makes sense actually like yeah the the long hair and all that and and the top, let's, let's be honest, the tight bod. Anyway, this is a totally different direction from, from a lot of the playlist. Um, I loved it. I really didn't think I would uh, on second list. It, it, it wasn't immediate. Again, it was on a second listen, but it's just such an intriguing guitar and the, and the bass opening. And he sounds quite vulnerable here. And I like it when he sounds vulnerable and when he goes high. 
Um, I was trying to figure out what percussion was being used because I was like, it sounds almost classical. Yeah, I, I think I know what you're going to say, Fran. So I, I was there like, is this timpani? Is this a glockenspiel? And then you go on Wikipedia and it says that Tim Palmer is on the fire extinguisher and pepper shaker. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> they, they did their own thing. <laughs> the lyrics are beautiful. And yeah, I it, it sounds absolutely like water. You know, actually, Ryan, it, it reminded me a little bit of how Victory by PJ Harvey, which is about a boat, sounds like a boat on the waves, this this also. Um, but yes, I did I did read that he wrote it for his now ex-wife um, as well, with her in mind. Yeah, we need to find uh, different channels of research because that's my only thing I could say about the song was oh, sorry. interesting <laughs> enough, the, uh, the mixer, Tim Palmer, in Dorking, sorry, which is where you're from, sorry. Me, me do, oh, Epsom, sorry. Yeah, I'm saying, sorry, saying that. We've got a link sorry, there. Sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. True, true, true. I live by the English Channel. Yeah. So not a lot of surfing vibes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought this was quite forgettable. And, uh, <gasps> what? Um, what and, is uh, happening? I'm sorry. What is happening to us today? Quite forgettable, unfortunately, for me. And the only thing I could say, Babs has stolen it. But luckily, as I edit the podcast, I will <laughs> now make sure that uh, that's my interesting fact. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But did, did you also not think, yeah, like it, it just sounded different? Like it, it, I didn't go on the Wikipedia page of every song. Mm. But with this one, I was like, oh, I actually want to know what instruments it was. And then it's like, yep, the old fire extinguisher and paper shaker, as you do. Why not? I can't say I noticed it until I read it, to be fair. Um, okay. But I guess, you know, on, on any album, you've got to have a few quiet moments. So, you know, it makes sense if this is on 10 to no, have some quieter moments. My question quickly, Ryan, is how come you haven't chosen a live? Are you bored of it or? Yeah, that's a great question. I am. I am bored of it. And I honestly have never been a big fan of that song. Like it to me, it's like Enter Sandman for Metallica. It's just not, it's, it's just overplayed. And I don't know, like there are certain songs that a band puts out that get way too popular and they just don't work like they don't have the staying power for me like like for for example like led zeppelin stairway to heaven i can still listen to and be totally fine hearing that even though i've heard it a million times for some reason alive just doesn't do much for me so yeah i left it off for a reason there are a couple i, I left off because they just were overplayed and i didn't really care to hear them again black is another one i just I mean, it's it's a song everyone tries to play on guitar and it's like, oh, I'm going to learn how to play black on my acoustic guitar. And I'm like, eh, OK, cool. You know, you, you do that. Yeah, I think like in the UK, like the only songs you would ever hear would be um, Even Flow, Alive, Jeremy, Off 10. And then maybe is it Better Days and Black? Oh, better Man. Better Man, so Better, better man, man and Black. And that's, yeah. and that's a lot, basically. I have had someone play this next song for me on acoustic guitar and I didn't mind it usually when someone's like let me strum my acoustic guitar and show you how cool i am i want to take that guitar and smash it over their head or throw it in the ocean perhaps or throw it in the ocean like when someone's like let me play a bob dylan song for you i'm like please don't (laughs) Uh, or that green day song that everyone wants to always play on acoustic guitar i'm just like please don't please stop this one though i enjoyed hearing my friend play this on guitar and he sang it and it sounded really good I'm usually not a fan of these songs, but this one, I don't know. I think it was just the story behind it. I I just really love Eddie when he narrates something and he tells you something because you just, I don't know. It feels very personal. And 
sometimes you can see through the the other artists that try to do that and they're maybe not as genuine and i find like this song has a genuine quality to it and i i think it's a song that many can relate to as well i think being stuck in a small town you know not really going anywhere i think that that is relatable to a lot of people so i i really love it i think it's i think it's simple but it's effective and it's very heartfelt yeah, I mean, the title immediately evokes something, elderly woman behind the counter in a small town. And I thought, well, this is going to be one of those Americana type laments. And it was, and I'm afraid that's not really a genre I like. I think it goes back a little bit to what Fran was saying about it being earnest. I was just like, this is going to be about some poor woman stuck in this. And it, and it was so, it didn't surprise me. It's like, I that was what I expecting, that, that was what I was expecting that's what I got. And it's not really something I like. Uh, I can appreciate how it builds and it ends because there's, there's definitely a journey, you know, it starts quiet, it ends quiet, but there's a lot going on in between. But apart from that, I'm afraid it was my joint least favorite song, Ryan. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a nice, it's a nice story. And again, you know, like I said before, regarding MTV Unplugged and uh, his quieter vocals, that would suit it. But I've just done a quick old Google for the MTV Unplugged session and yeah they, they do ocean state of love alive black jeremy even flow and porch but they don't play this and randomly they didn't release the mtv unplugged um set until october last year even though they recorded wow. it in 1992 <laughs> so i don't know what that's about the benjamins wow. <laughs> yeah, <wait a laughs> minute, yeah. anything else you got yeah but um, yeah it wasn't it wasn't my favorite of their tracks unfortunately guys yeah, sorry, Ryan. <laughs> hey, that's okay. It, it's not everyone's cup of tea. I, I get that. Mm -hmm. But I'm not a big fan of those kinds of songs either. But for some mm -hmm. reason, this one stuck with me. Like, I really don't like those. Let me strum to my acoustic guitar, mm -hmm. tell you a story about America. I'm not really into those either. But mm -hmm. I don't know. For some reason, this one but did it for me. Sometimes, I mean, going going back to the vines, perhaps, sometimes you do appreciate songs in the wider context of a band's outputs so maybe because this is pearl jam and because they they do other things you're in your you would come to this differently whereas i'm i i'm not a huge fan of pearl jam and i'm not a huge fan of this genre of music i think yeah if something like this came from a band that i liked i don't know like if, if radiohead did something like this yeah probably i'd listen up a little bit more but um but yeah, I, I think uh, I, I preferred your final pick. Yeah, Jeremy, which is the first song I heard and the one that really, really got me into Pearl Jam. And it, I don't know, there's something unique about Jeremy. It starts off very differently. I've never heard a song really begin that way before. And I, again, like I, I really like Eddie's vocals here and I love... Well, I mean, I don't love the story because it's a very depressing story, but I think it's a good story to tell. And I think it definitely, it's made me think and I don't know. It's just, it, it's a song that I can get lost in and, and it, it's a nostalgic song for me too, because mm. it reminds me of high school. And, and I know the song is about high school and about a kid who, I mean, tragically shot himself in front of his high school english class and it's I, I mean i guess there's another side to it too like there's two 
influences on the song but this was the one that i was always aware of it was about a guy named jeremy who who actually did kill himself in front of his classmates and i don't know it's, it's telling a story that i think is relevant especially in america where gun violence and violence in general has been problem for many many years so i it's just to me it's a unique song and even though it's one of their biggest hits it i'm sort of well maybe not surprised that it was as big of a hit but definitely when after people found out about the subject matter i'm surprised that it was still Hmm. a big hit so and i'm surprised the radio and the record companies were like yeah let's put this out as a single so it (laughs) it's pearl jam doing whatever the hell they want to do on a song that just went massive so yeah i mean i'm gonna let you talk about the video in that front because i'm sure you did you did the research on that and and mtv because yeah i I thought that was interesting yeah i think so this song was definitely one that i'd sought out to listen to before and i didn't like it at the time and i'm afraid i still don't like it (laughs) but with this one i don't know why i don't know why i don't like it i think more than any other song on this album I think I can only attribute it once again to the whole component parts bit because I like the ending, you know, and it's, it's a long song. I just don't like the journey on the way to the ending. Um, and I, I do wonder, Ryan, you know, you mentioned that you got into Pearl Jam when you were in high school, whether, yeah, the age that you are when you first listen to these things has, has an influence because I guess I, despite not being that age, I, heard, I first heard Nirvana at at secondary school and and yet yeah, you you get into it and it, it just feels much more meaningful especially when it's about like and a young outcast you can you can really identify with it as well um and yeah it was it was heartbreaking to read the, the story the full story of that of that kid you know you you're so used to reading about mass shootings in uh, in american high schools actually the fact that he only killed himself like is i don't know it's a different kind of tragedy uh, and it is good that someone is is singing about these things, but uh, but yeah, musically, apart from the ending, it, it didn't really do it for me. I'm afraid. Did not enjoy the <laughs> parts. That's the best part of the song, isn't it? It's pretty good. I love it. My yeah. verse is better than their version, obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So I mean, this video was like literally on all the time, and uh, I mean. I've never seen it. It basically tells you the story. It's, it's got a kid at school and it's saying like, you know, bullying and in the alienation. And it's got like, like a uh, kid cutting to like, is it sepia footage of like Eddie Vedder singing? It's, um yeah, it's quite striking. And yeah, it won lots of awards. Um, yeah, I mean, this to me, if I if I think of Paul Jam, I think of this song, mainly because of the video, mainly because I think it's a, I think it's a class song. Um, I I enjoyed the lyrics. I, I enjoy, like I said, I enjoyed it. It's also is the what was, what was that? <laughs> um, I need to have some more Pepsi. Um, not sponsored. <laughs> not sponsored. Can I ask a question, um, base um, chief Babs? Is the intro a riff, a a riff on the bass guitar or a guitar? I honestly cannot remember. Ryan, tell me I can. It's quite a famous. I think that's a bass. That's a bass. A bass. Yeah. Okay. yeah, it sounds like a bass to me, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. That's yeah. It's quite nice to hear like a a song opening with a, a bass. It's it's interesting that you say that though because actually for the next one we're discussing, I did make a note when the bass did and didn't open songs because I I think it does make a difference. But with this one, I think I wasn't thinking about it because I was too busy trying to analyze it as a whole. 
uh, and there's there's a lot going on. Yeah, I think um, I think it's a, it's a cracking song, and uh, I think that Babs should give it another go whilst watching the video because that's that's how I first saw mm. it. So maybe if you had the whole no, the whole shebang of the the, me, the multimedia version of Pearl Jam, you may change your mind. Yeah, I mean, I think we've talked about this before, the whole watching a song with a video and without. Often, actually, I don't like to watch the videos of the songs when the, on this podcast because I have found in the past that when I've discovered songs with videos, I think I don't like them. And then I listen to them by themselves. And I'm like, oh, no, I, I do like it. It's just that the visuals were messing with me somehow or like... You know, it just, it wasn't matching what my idea was. Uh, but I think you're, you're probably right there, given that the the subject matter is so at the forefront. And I like, yeah, it's funny. I read the description of the video <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, okay. Sounds interesting, but, but I haven't seen it yet. And actually, Ryan, I, yeah, like I said, I had no idea that Pearl Jam were, was still releasing music. And I did notice that you know, all the songs that you picked are from the 90s. So you would say, I'm guessing that's that's your favorite era of Pearl Jam. Yeah, yeah. I I like some other stuff in the 2000s, but for the most part, I, I, it's all that early 90s, the mid 90s stuff that they did. That's my favorite, my favorite era. It's pretty much from 10 on up to Yield mm-hmm. is pretty classic Pearl Jam. And then after Yield, I think they have a weird period where they're kind of like, I don't know they're not as relevant at that point and they start to I think electronic music and new metal and all these other things pop punk emo stuff they really start to creep in and replace them on the charts and everything but then they sort of make a comeback in the late 2000s with Backspacer and I don't know like they they kind of had this weird phase in the the 2000s where it was kind of like they tapered off a bit Mm-hmm. but then came back so but yeah my favorite's definitely the 90s material mm-hmm. so and yeah i think if you say that the heaviest stuff is their earliest stuff then i think yeah if i if i do listen outside it's it's going to be in the 90s probably um babs do you mm-hmm. think pole jam are overrated i do i'm sorry ryan i think especially when oh. i saw their um their sales figures and when i saw that they are the 436th most listened to band on Spotify in the world. You know, I didn't change my mind enough on them to not think they were overrated with, with those facts. Now, you know, definitely I, I, I have changed my mind. The, the good, the good thing is like, yeah, there's, I've realized that there are Pearl Jam songs that I like. And I think I've realized that despite them being a very popular band for me, at least, I think they're just, their songs are not immediately accessible and I need to give them more of a chance. So maybe even some of the ones on the playlist that you gave me on, on Future This and I, I would like it. And yeah, who would have thought that it was the the quieter songs, The Oceans and the other song that in Garden, Oceans and Garden definitely were were some of my highlights. And um, yeah, there's a different side to Eddie Vedder and, and the band and, and I enjoyed it. So yeah, despite not changing my mind on that, thank you, Ryan, for putting together such a, a thoughtful playlist because it definitely, I have definitely shifted opinion. What about you, Fran? Do you think Pearl Jam are overrated? Well, I was surprised because I was expecting to hear a Pearl Jam I've not experienced before, like maybe with the other, other albums, because I, I knew 10. So apart from the three or four tracks which aren't on 10, I kind of knew this one before, so it's harder for me to change my opinion because I knew what I was getting into. Um, again, I, I like 
alive i like jeremy spoken i like even flow none of the other tracks he gave me well then i maybe animal was quite good yes maybe four out of ten i enjoyed so with that in mind i'm gonna have to say overrated but what we haven't mentioned is that when i watched the documentary pole jam and the band don't like 10 they wow. made they, they said really yeah but they, they don't like it but they say it's a least favorite album and also apparently the critics mm-hmm. also think it's a, one of their worst albums but it's a band you know that are haunted by their early success and they have to keep playing it like i think um eddie says that yeah they would completely re-record it and it's it's, it's, it's oh that's so interesting see that hmm. that i would listen to because maybe going back to the production conversation that we were having you know it it might sound completely different yeah wow how interesting so i wonder if they do perform the 10 tracks slightly different live do you know why or is it as a record i i've heard them play them differently for sure live but for the most part i i think they they try to keep them as like jeremy i've heard them play it pretty much to the t like it is on the record i did not know that about 10 i that's kind of interesting. I wonder, I don't know. That's that's weird. Why would they hate their... Have they ever done like a, a, a reunion tour of just playing 10, like the whole album or anything at all? I, I don't know if they've done a tour, but they've, they've well, this could be the record label, but they have definitely celebrated the anniversary of it. They've released special editions of it on vinyl and, and everything. So kind of interesting. I, it's weird. That's That's sort of weird to hear that, that they are not as big into that. When is album. the documentary from, Fran? Um, I watched two. I watched one from 2002. Holy crap. Two, two documentaries of a band that you don't like again. Yeah, I'm wow. surprised. But I just find it, like, <laughs> like, for some reason, I don't know about you guys, you're music fans. I can watch a documentary about any band or artist yeah. because I find the process really interesting. So I've watched documentaries, you know, like, like the Metallica one. You know, you don't have to like Metallica to enjoy... No, is it, is it some? Is it make a monster or or some kind of monster? Some, some yeah. kind of monster. Because it's yeah. such, it's such an interesting journey, and to hear people discuss music and talk about it passionately, I just find interesting. So you know, that's why mm-hmm. I, I like to search out when we do this podcast for a documentary because it's also nice to hear other people's opinions. So mm-hmm. in this documentary, you hear about you know critics. They talk to sub pop. They talk to you know other bands of the same scene. So it's nice to hear different voices. I think rather than just me looking at Wikipedia and hoping that's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I do agree with you broadly on music documentaries, um, but I'm just an impatient person. So as in, if I'm like, oh, what am I going to watch this evening? Like a music documentary, even if it's about a band that I don't like, would be would be something. Like, you know, I watched the Nina Simone documentary that's on Netflix and I thought it was it was fascinating. And I'm reading at the moment Art, Sex, Music by Kosi Fanny Tutti from Throbbing Gristle. I do not know one Throbbing Gristle song, but it's obviously an interesting read. But I think, yeah, doing the prep for this podcast obviously takes time. Just listening to the songs and taking notes take time. The thought of adding like a one hour or another one and a half hours to it, like I'm dedicated, but sorry, guys, I'm not that dedicated. So, so yeah, no, I, I, I would maybe watch like a short video on YouTube, but I don't think I would watch a, a Pearl Jam documentary. What about you, Ryan? <laughs> I've never seen any Pearl Jam documentaries. I, I've only really watched live performances and music videos, but I would, yeah, I need to, I've heard of that, that documentary that you were mentioning earlier, Fran, the first one you mentioned, I forget what it, what it was called, but I, I, 
Yeah, I've I've heard of that one. But there was yeah. actually a, a film. They made a film um, called Twenty, like a documentary that's, movie. Yeah, that's yeah. what I've heard. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, that's but what I've heard. Of. Not available for free on YouTube, guys. So I wasn't going to pay money. <laughs> So welcome to the end of part one. So what do you think? Has your mind been changed on Pearl Jam? Did you like them in the first place? I don't know. I still think there are some better bands out there for sure. Although I did find myself listening to uh, Garden the other day. So there we go. As mentioned up the top, this is part one of two parts. We will be talking about L7 as our underrated grunge band. That's a situation where Ryan and Babs really like them and Fran doesn't. How is that one going to turn out? Again, you'll have to tune in and see. If you want to talk to us, you can follow us on Instagram. We're over underrated music pod. We're on Twitter at OU Music Pod. Or if you'd like to write a missive via email, you can email us over underrated music pod at gmail.com. I've had a lovely time up the top of the Space Needle, had a drink, walked around, and now I am going back down to try and see if I can find Eddie Vedder trying being around in a car. Wish me luck. <laughs>